guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 76. We're here with Azeel and Grail. Say hi, you guys. Hello! Hey! Uh, you know, we've been pretty busy, uh, Berserk fans, for the past month and a half or so. Uh, I think the last time we recorded was in maybe May or so. And there's been a lot that's happened since then. There's been a new anime trailer. There's been an announcement of a new Berserk game, which also had, I think, two trailers, a teaser and a full trailer. There's been mm-hmm. a volume release, volume 38, and episode 344 just came out this past Friday. So it's been very, very active on the forums, on Reddit, on elsewhere on the internet, if you've been watching. Um, so the new anime is coming out on uh, July 1st in Japan, and as I understand it, it's going to be premiering, uh, kind of a special premiere at the anime, I can't remember which one it is, Anime Expo, I think it is, in New York? I always lose track of these things, I'm sorry. But there's an anime convention coming up uh, in which Dark Link, one of our users, will be going to taking notes on the uh, the domestic or the English premiere of that first The episode. reporter on the ground. Yes, we'll get <laughs> live tweets, maybe, even, of the <laughs> of the event. Well, yeah, that'll be cool to hear. Honestly, though, with, with Berserk resuming, back to monthly status, and a new volume, and the announcement of the new game. Uh, the anime is kind of on the back burner for me. I was never really excited about it to begin with. Uh, again, I'm just kind of interested in seeing how they're going to resolve things. So since we last recorded, they also announced the, the first five-episode titles that will be coming out for the anime, and it goes along at a really speedy pace. Uh, basically, it seems like it's covering like, you know aspects of Black Swordsman and aspects of Lost Children, but not necessarily any of the Apostle bits. So if you can imagine, you know, Guts rescuing or trying to rescue Colette, uh, and that doesn't work out, of course. We know that scene's in there, uh, the Brand episode of uh, Volume 1. We know he meets with Puck in the bar scene, but not necessarily meets up with the Snake Baron. Uh, we know f- that we see he fights the uh, possessed tree from Lost Children, but not necessarily encounters Roisin or Jill. So that's kind of where we're going with the pacing of things. But by episode five, we're already the perspective has already shifted over to Albion and the Tower of Conviction stuff. So we don't know for sure how long this series is going to be. Uh, I've, I've read that people say that there was a, a leak on a German site that said twenty-five episodes, um, but that's not con- that's not confirmed yet. If that is the case, I have no fucking clue what they're doing for episode five or twenty-five, <laughs> unless they're actually gonna cover the conviction arc at a very very steady you know very slow pace which i just can't imagine like if they're if they're filling up 25 episodes starting with episode five is the conviction uh sorry birth ceremony chapter there's no way (laughs) they're gonna be going into millennium falcon territory they'll be broaching it at the very least if not going full bore into it so uh we'll see what happens with that i think the first episode will tell us a lot as far as the quality of this adaptation I've been talking a lot. What do you guys think of the latest trailer? We haven't actually talked about the latest trailer on the podcast yet. Uh, you know, I mean, trailer doesn't interest me all that much. What I'm more looking forward to is, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, what will happen with the episode. I think what they might be doing is uh, skipping along pretty fast uh, at the beginning, you know, to get uh, some stuff, you know, done. And then, you know, maybe it will slow down for the conviction arc and uh, we'll get... Uh, you know, episodes that will be longer, spend more time on stuff, even maybe uh, with some filler. Why not? Uh, and yeah, Why? yeah. I mean, well, it happened with the previous. Uh, oh yeah, that's so very I, true. I'm, I'm not even even the movies had some stuff that just didn't need to be there. So 
to go along with that, what you were saying, I think that the parallel that we're seeing here, at least initially, is that the lack of apostle-related content mm -hmm. is kind of a disturbing trend here. And I really hope, I really hope that that's not the case. But uh, I guess we'll we'll see. But we're kind of seeing that already. Uh, as far as the trailer, I think I mentioned when As was in California, we had that little mini podcast um, that I was really excited by the teaser trailer that had just come out with the new. Uh, hear Sawa song that yeah. that was playing and it Ashes. looked like it was a tight tight trailer you know lots of little cuts and stuff and at the time I was really impressed because I felt like they were you know showing off a lot of really great characters and the you know the designs looked fairly accurate to what I could see I mean but uh, it feels like this latest trailer is really like kind of dragging things down for me a little bit because obviously the CGI is a real problem and uh, it just looks really odd in comparison to some of those. Like it looks, about it looks dopey. Uh, it looks very dopey. It looks yeah. low quality. And it's... like I was telling Azil, like, it looks like they wanted to do an adaptation. The will was there, and they looked at their pockets, and they were like, oh, shit, we, land we ran out of money. Uh, who can we get? Who can we get? Uh, I know these guys that make pachinko videos. I'm like, okay, well, we'll do this team, and we'll do a team over here, and this team over here. And then we'll throw it all together and see what we got. Oh, shit. It looks terrible. Yeah, I think you might be like. hitting disturbingly close to the truth. It looks like, like, seriously, it looks like it didn't go to necessarily like a production company with a history and a reputation. Like It looks like they went to whoever they could get for like the lowest, lowest possible budget for this yeah. thing. Well, I mean, if you think it's very simple, you know, like some movies where uh, kind of the premium mm -hmm part of the project you know there was a really the, the part that had got money uh you know they were going to get the good guys to do something really shiny and then you know depending on the success uh, maybe go back to a you know lower budget production to do the rest of the story so uh, we saw what happened with the movies you know it was already it was supposed to be one movie a really stupid idea then it turned out it was impossible so they did three and uh, and they sucked, you know. They sucked. I think we, you know, we can say in every single respect. I mean, there, there might still be some guys, uh, uh, you know, uh, putting their head in the sun and thinking it was great, but no. The backgrounds, so, you know, as yeah, I mean, yeah, the backgrounds were nice. It's true, but <laughs> most people say I, I think if anything, the music was good. But I don't really like the music myself yeah, either. You know, the thing is, I mean, the music wasn't terrible, but the problem is it was really used badly. Like every scene, like it wasn't great, but it was. I mean. It wasn't my most hated part, but the thing is, the way it was used in the movie was really terrible. Where some scenes uh, had some kind of uh, how to say light music, where it was supposed to be dark and vice versa, so it was pretty stupid. Like the rape, for example. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about that one specifically. Yeah. I mean, that was, I was like, God, why, why would you do that? What, what kind of an idiot do you have to be? Yeah, to get back to the point, it's just yeah, it's just bad. And the trailer, I think. Like Greg said, the previous one was a bit less shitty, and this one is like, no, nah, no. This is... <laughs> Just kidding. We're, we're... Back to reality. Yeah, this is re really bad, and yeah, so yeah, the CGI is terrible. You know, what really surprises me, I actually really wonder how much, what their budget is, because it's so bad. You gotta wonder if it's like, are these guys just really incompetent? Are they not good or they really got like I don't know 500 it's, it's it's hard to understand most video games have better cutscenes than the visuals in here uh, mm. and of course games may, may have had larger budgets to you know create really detailed character models but it's not just that it's like 
the art technique they're using to slap over the top of the character models just looks very low detail and like I said before, just kind of dopey. Uh, the expressions yeah. on people's faces, the way their eyes fit in their head looks weird a lot of times and not really realistic. Yeah. It's a tough situation. I think that part of understanding why this is happening to Berserk in particular might, I feel like we need to have a higher understanding of like the anime industry as a whole right sure, now. Sure, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most of the discussion has been around the art quality and how they're going to squeeze in the episodes, and if there are 25, how's it going to be padded to... to where, where are they going to go with it? And that's still kind of an open-ended question right now. Um, but some people are happy that uh, it's just more Berserk animated. Uh, the, I guess my trouble with that is I didn't want more Berserk animated anyway, and I feel like if they're going to do it, do it right, it, it doesn't look like they're doing it right. So yeah. that being said, by like my Rancor meter is not like you know, high right now because there's so much other shit going on. You know, the the series is in a super exciting place. So to me, the anime is just kind of an afterthought. It's off to the side, like, oh, oh, well, it sucks. But, you know, moving on. Yeah, I think some people view it uh, as just Berserk is going recognition. You know, he's, he's gotten, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, people see that it's something that matters, that it's important. So it gets, uh, you know, uh, animated and all the side projects and, even if that sucks, it's still good for its reputation or, you know, notoriety or whatever. But yeah, obviously, you know, I, I mean, I was fine with there not being any anime. I think, you know, it deserves to be adapted. But yeah, if they're going to do it, they should do it in a way that's uh, proper. Otherwise, why bother? You know, it feels like in a way they they are missing the point of Berserk. I mean, absolutely. If you, if you don't have the apostles, you know. I mean, we mentioned it in the thread. I, I forgot. I think maybe Apostle Bob mentioned mentioned it. But the thing is, yeah, when you don't spend the time necessary to establish what Guts is about, the so Black Swordsman and everything, you really you're missing the point of the series. And I guess, you know, they said Mura was uh, executive supervisor, and I'm sure he managed to avoid some, uh, uh, you know, some really sad stuff. But I mean, yeah, the fact they all focus you know they focus on the golden shark and then move on directly to other stuff and we don't actually get to see the black swordsman fighting apostles it's like the core of the series isn't there so you know it's it's pretty sad you mm. know i mean it's pretty sad for the new fans who meet me sad on that and it's also pretty sad that these guys uh can't see this because it's uh it's obvious i mean it's it's possible that we just haven't seen any footage or teasers or voice actors for the you know the snake baron or the count we don't we don't know it sure doesn't seem like we're getting any of that uh based on the speed Mm -hmm. of things but uh i guess i'm gonna get a subscription to crunchyroll just to check this thing out just so i know satisfy my curiosity about how this goes i know that's counter to everything i've just said like about my actual interest my curiosity level wins out actually about how they're gonna do it i gotta see it for myself well, so. the ads there you know are what? kind of obnoxious, so if you want to avoid them, it's worth it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wait, is it free otherwise? Yeah, you just have to sit through ads. Oh, fuck. Well, man. Moving on, uh, it was a new game announced. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> Berserk, working title. It's coming out to, to PS4, PS Vita, and PC. At least that part's yeah. accurate. <laughs> Berserk, working title. I can't wait. Uh, it's, a, it's from Koei Tecmo who are famous for making the Musou series, the Dynasty Warriors lineage of games, where one warrior will fight against hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of little, tiny, little, tiny little troops. Each swing take out, you know, 10, 20 people or 100 people. There's a kill counter in the corner. 
it's a uh, very action oriented um and the recent muso games have been very kind of like kind of like each little level was a chapter in an overall story so it kind of jumps from era to era it can kind of cover a wide range they've done muso games for zelda for one piece for dragon or dragon warrior um that's all I can remember off the top of my head. Berserk's yeah. being... They did Feast of the North Star. They That's did right. uh, Attack on Titan also, I think. Well, you know, it's simple. They've been doing these for so long. I think all, the only way they can still sell them is uh, by, uh, yeah, skinning them with popular, you know, franchises. Right. Because otherwise it's the same. The core concept just hasn't evolved at and all. And it totally so. works, too, because people very much like some of these games the ones that are very series focused like Hyrule Warriors got you know decent to average reviews uh, people like the fan service nature of it and I gotta say I'm not totally turned off by the game it looks kind of fun and I fully acknowledge that Dynasty Warriors games have never interested me but the possibility of playing as Guts and potentially Skull Knight and all that stuff sounds pretty fun to me as kind of a, just a quick little romp through trolls yeah I think for what it's worth, it will be, uh, yeah, a fun distraction, you know. I mean, it's not like the PS2 game was, was, uh, an amazing, uh, you know, game either. People seem, you know, I, I've seen some reactions where people seem to think it was great, but the PS2 game was really not that mm-hmm. great. The story was really fucked and, uh, the gameplay was stretched in a way like it, it was nice, but you could tell they were trying to fit Berserk into some things that didn't really fit. So it's going to be the same here, but yeah, you know, I mean, you've, you've got guts, you're, you know, slicing trolls by the thousands, and then Shiroke casts a spell and, you know, shit explodes. So yeah, I mean, and why not? And of course, you know, if you can play as Zod or Locust and Modan, uh, yeah, yeah, thousands of guys at once, yeah, and then you transform and you're even more badass. I mean, sure. I hope not? they yeah. do go that route. The more creative ways to play, I thought that'd be, I thought that'd be really cool to be able to play as an apostle. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, I, I think, actually, I think, you know, that's where the game has the most potential. Like, I mean, I'm not necessarily interested in playing Guts uh, in that way because, you know, even though the uh, director said, Mir asked him to uh, stay uh, true to the world of Berserk, I don't think, like, by its nature, the Musou game won't allow that. So even in the trailers, you see Guts... Like, with each swing, you get trolls being blown mm-hmm. back. <laughs> I mean, even for Berserk, that's too much. But yeah, for Apostles, you know, it will actually be fun and uh, somewhat uh, true to uh, the extent of the it's, power. So It's sad that Mira has to beg people now to just not, not like, fuck up his universe again. <laughs> it's, it's sad to think that this is probably, like, one of the better adaptation-related pieces in the last, uh, I don't know, five years, I guess, since the movies. And... Uh, even this had like a really that that first teaser really put a sour note in my mouth. I think. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. Like, yeah, like Twitter. Yeah. I think the Twitter Berserk fan community at least like exploded for about fifteen minutes, where we were all just like, "What the hell was going on in this fan community?" You know, just like stuff yeah. that's coming out right now is just so off the mark. Yeah, I think it's some things that can be frustrating for a lot of people. Is that yeah, these guys. Falls their professed uh, love for Berserk. They don't seem to really understand what makes it great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, you show a scene that's you know Jose sexified, what is actually a pretty big you know uh, sordid part of the story. That's, it's a moment you know, of horror. It's not supposed to be. Yeah, 
you know. And they're like, "Oh yeah, unit's coming," and you yeah. know, no, that's not, no, don't do, don't, please don't do that. Yeah. And then they're like, and for the pre-orders, you get a free casca uh, showering. You know, <laughs> she's just, yeah. There's like a bathing <laughs> suit casca fuck? or something. Yeah, it's a DLC extra for pre-order. You get to play as casca after she lost her mind. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, when <sighs> when she's under the when when she's under the waterfall, you know, when guts first. Yeah, don't you the, remember that he that heartwarming up. scene that was really titillating when uh, Casca didn't recognize the man that she loved because she was raped. Yeah, that's the scene that I want to oh, memorialize man. and play with. Yeah. and he was heartbroken, so now she can fight. <laughs> you know, uh, tens of thousands of enemies in in that uh, you know uh, shirt. You know, so isn't that great? And you can you know watch it uh, stick to her ass as she mows and mows down. Yeah, that's, that's that's almost on really the same level as them putting out a casca skin of her like almost getting raped by the group of guys in I think volume twenty three. She's got her sword, guys. She's gonna take oh, out all those trolls. Go. Yeah, she's naked except for the sword. Yeah. yeah. Um and her, her boots. Well, maybe not. That's Some right. disappearing boots as well. Yeah. Well the disappearing boots, you know, <laughs> they'll be part of the game. That's a reference no, no one's one gonna is get. Three get. people are gonna get. Yeah. <laughs> These people are gonna get. Um, mm-hmm. was gonna, someone someone mentioned I think it was on Reddit they had said I bet you they just the people that were in charge of the DLC just like thumbed through the, a thumb drive of all the character models that the game had through the cinematics and like ooh that one's kind of sexy oh, I let's just make that, that a playable character you know like yeah. you already have the asset I'm like fuck why not it looks hot to me I have no idea what the scene is but here you go <laughs> yeah it's like that's Berserk's adaptation philosophy in a <laughs> nutshell I think <laughs> yeah like no context needed none yeah, it's sexy, guys. Come on. So, yeah, that's coming out in this year, actually. I think September 21st in Japan. There's no Western release date yet, but because it's coming to Steam, pretty much guarantees. Right. Oh, actually, there's also a there's a Western trailer for it. Yeah, so yeah, of confirmed. course, yeah. It's actually it's, uh, it's coming to PS3, PS4, and PS Vita in Japan, and in the West on uh, PS4, PS Vita, and Steam. Right. So we'll know more about that soon. Uh, I am excited to see who you get to play as. That's kind of like the clincher for me, but I'm sure I'll play it regardless. Uh, yeah. That's it, I guess, for the new media for Berserk. Uh, but it's kind of a, been a parade of Berserk material the past week or past month. There's also been a new volume release, Volume 38. Also came out this past Friday, timed with the release of the manga. There are nine episodes in Volume 38. It's a little bit short of what, what I had expected. I thought it would go all the way to 343. Uh, which is the fight with the Wicker Man, but actually ends right as they basically land on the on the island. So, um, it's a new design for the cover. I don't want to spend too much time on it because I feel like we've talked about that a whole lot, and it's really minimal. They just added a border around it, and they reissued all the other volume covers. <clears throat> it's a minor change, really. Um, but the big change that was revealed in Volume Thirty Eight uh, in the two posters that came with it are a. Very digital-looking uh, way of painting for Miura. It looks like he's showing off a new art style that he's been developing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I hesitate to call it too new because some of the aspects of the Gigantomachia cover look kind of like they've, they've had some digital stuff done to them as well. Like the eyes for um, Prome look a little CG. I don't know what the word is for that, but Photoshopped, let's say. Um, sure. Well, it's because it's because they are too. I think what you're meant, meaning to say is that they are too neat. Mm-hmm. You know, when you do something with computer, you can have uh, that kind of accuracy. It's not just the same brush strokes you you'll get when you paint on a canvas. Yeah. So, yeah, they look very clear, very uh, neat. You know, uh, I think Grail could 
talk about that uh, in more detail. But yeah, it's a special look. I mean, I personally don't mind it myself, even though uh, clearly Mura will probably get better and better with it over time. So we are probably only seeing uh, he's just getting started. But uh, yeah, these two posters we saw, for example, I didn't mind them. I think they're pretty cool, uh, both of them. And uh, you know, even though the cover of Volume 38 is... Uh, kind of boring because it's just you know guts you again know, guts looking serious yeah <laughs> but you know again i think it's that's a marketing decision it's what sells so people just tell me oh you know just do guts again i have very different opinions on both posters like i really like the fantastical nature of the puck and Ivarella one just like, it fits mm-hmm. that style really fits that because it is very crazy looking and very colorful and vivid uh, mm-hmm. And then we have the Rickert and Erica, which is like a, almost a carbon copy of what we got in the previous volume with them on the wagon. And it just looks kind of blah. And the colors are all muted and the, the eyes look a little too weird. And they got Erica's eye color wrong, which is like, what? How do you do, <laughs> how do, you do that? And so Can I it be wrong totally if it was the guy who made the manga, though? Maybe we were wrong this whole time, yeah. thinking it was blue. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he often, uh, I don't think he really cares that much about stuff like eye color, mm. you know. I mean, if you look at how he's depi- depicted characters before, you know, he'll use different He uh, gave guts blue eyes in volume 10's cover, right? Did he really? Oh, yeah. man, I got to see that now. <laughs> so it's not, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know... Would say focus too much on that. I actually like, I really like uh, the way Erica is in uh, in that poster. I think she she looks great. So, Rickert uh, does look a bit uh, like he's got a kind of a strange stir to him, but I really like Erica. So, yeah, yeah. In terms of the style, I think that this has been a long time coming, and I think Lith kind of, you know, she she put it in a great way. Like basically, Mira is a good artist, great artist. And no matter what medium somebody like that works in, it's going to turn out well. I think he's just kind of getting a handle on the tools, the digital tools right now. Like if you look, um, if you look at the uh, Rickard and Erica poster there, the uh, the curtain here, that's what stuck out to me. The curtain on the right mm. doesn't look as kind of well shaded and refined as the back of the wagon and their clothing and stuff like that. So I think he was sort of like... He's still kind of dealing with the blur and the maybe the blending tools, but he, you know, obviously the proof is in the pudding, mm-hmm. and he's just going to get better and better as time goes on. But I think that uh, Lith po- pointed out really well that he um, he's still kind of just you. I think he's still in the process of maybe uh, optimizing his digital tool set, and that's what we're seeing right now with some of the brush strokes. And uh, yeah, I really appreciated her post as someone who works with this medium. You know, oh yeah, I know, I know you do as well. Uh, just to see their, you know, insight on what is actually changing here, what we're actually seeing. I, I think I did want to clarify one thing. That I think some people are confused about is when we say that Mira is doing digital now. It doesn't mean all digital. To me, oh, I'm, I'm looking at this. I see that he is maybe maybe even drawing it traditionally and scanning it, or at least using a tablet and drawing like he normally would. Yeah, most likely. I I would guess it's mixed media still, but it's yeah. more heavily uh, leaning towards the digital more than uh, right. previously. So yeah, I would say that you're right. It's definitely a little bit of both. Yeah, just the the way he draws is is very distinct. Like just mm-hmm. the way that her dress kind of like curls around her leg, and then the, it's a very very like Mira style to yeah. all the things. Even the little bit of hatching we see there is very much his style. 
And yeah. so it's not like we're losing all that in favor of digital. It's still there. It's just kind of cast in a different light, cast in a different range of tools that he has yeah. available to him. And that's that's what I personally, uh, from an art perspective, that's one thing I always appreciate about uh, Mira's kind of artistic journey, I guess, over the course of this manga and his artistic work. Just that he is willing to try different things, kind of push the envelope here and there, see what he can do, and you know, do things a little differently here and there. And also, while, yeah. while on such a strict deadline for all his other stuff, too, he's he's, he's experimenting while having a you know a schedule. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, um, I guess my fear with this medium is that, you know, Mira is a very traditional guy. Um, it shows through the way the story is told, the characters, the, the hand-drawn nature of the series. It's kind of a distinct part of it. And just the style, just in the, just in the Rickard Erica one, it doesn't really mesh well with me. Just, I don't know what the word is for, I guess philosophically, with the way that he has produced Berserk. And I'm fine with him adapting tools. I just hope the series doesn't lose like detail, you know, that kind of like old school looking art to it. That's all. Yeah. He's always done a lot of experimentation uh, with the paintings, mm-hmm. you know, the color stuff, you know, that kind of, that's shown just in the different styles of the covers and the posters and stuff, what he did over the years. So I think, I don't think there's much need for, you know, I mean, there's no reason to be worried, basically. I think, like, even the way this can feel uh, unrefined to some, I think he might have even done that intentionally. You know, like, just, yeah, leave the strokes like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like when he painted a canvas, you know, you could see the, you know, the grain, you know, through the, the art, and that's just, you know, that was fine because he wanted, maybe another guy wouldn't do that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, I think he's just fine doing these like that. And let's also not forget that we're seeing them in very high res compared to how they are in the actual volumes. True. So, yeah. You know, yeah. there's also that to keep in mind. You know, when you look at them at their actual size, when they're printed, you know, that's just probably not, not to be going to be the same. So, you know, as far as the manga itself, I'm not, you know, like the actual uh, ink work and stuff, I'm not too worried. When, when you look at, uh, the episodes right now. I mean, I, I'm honestly not too worried about that. No, yeah. that's not a, that's not a concern of mine either. I just meant, you know, in terms of how he develops his posters. That being said, like I said, I have nothing but praise for the um, Puck and Everella one. I think that looks great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think in terms of just to go back to the manga thing that we were talking about earlier, I think that it might make sense if he takes like some shortcuts in terms of like, because I I learned a while ago that when you're putting on stuff like the patterns and stuff like back in the old days, they would actually like cut out the patterns for like, I don't know, a character's skin color or like the pattern on their dress or something. That was just like crazy amount of work to me. So it makes sense if they take digital shortcuts like adding patterns digitally rather than um cutting feel, and pasting. Yeah. Like he has he's he's done like color tone kind of stuff yeah. a lot of times with uh to do shading for larger yeah. stuff. I've seen him do that before. Yeah, exactly. uh, I think uh to be to be honest, I think they've already moved to uh doing this digitally a while back probably. Uh you know, Mira changed teams, he has changed assistants. I, I know at uh, you know at some point he still has these guys doing this stuff by hand, but I think, you know, it, it makes sense, like you said, to do this kind of stuff uh, digitally because it's such, you know, like, you know, in terms of time, you gain time. In terms of what you can do, uh, you can also probably do more stuff. So, you know, I mean, it's it's just at some point, you know, being a traditionalist is good, but 
uh, we know drawing Berserk takes a lot of time because of all the details that goes in there. So, you know, if, uh, uh, you know, having just one guy, one assistant to take care of this stuff and do a good job at it. Makes a big difference, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, if if he can, you know, if like a week is, of time is gained or something, you know, I mean, it would be, you know, I think Mira is a pragmatic guy mm-hmm. in the end. And I think while he's stuck to uh, doing things the old way for a while, uh, he's not adverse to the, you know, to progress. So at some point you gotta go, all right, well, I'll learn these new tools, I'll do these things a new way. And if uh, we can optimize stuff and, you know, keep it being uh, high quality, then, you know, let's do it. And that's, that's yeah. kind of where I am. Like, I, I trust him to make that transition, but it is, it is a transition and we are seeing the transition happen before our eyes. You know, and I'm, I I say more power to him for the the bravery of transitioning mediums like that into learning this new style, while he still has you know quite a bit of work on his plate. That's cool. I just yeah, we're in a transitionary period. Mm. Anyway, so in addition to all the other berserk news, we also got a new episode, the first since December. Um, so it's been a long time in coming, six months and running, and uh, we're back to monthly. So next mm. month there will be another one, and. It comes uh, at a very exciting time in the series, of course. Uh, we've just gotten to Skellig, and this episode takes us through Skellig, through uh, the um, Witch Village, and we meet some new characters. It's, we're right on the doorstep to a lot of the bigger changes, bigger announcements in the series. As Zilli said in the thread, like it's uh, the course of what's going to happen over the next several volumes, and likely to the end of the series, is going to be is being laid out now. Like we're seeing the 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 edge of the final pattern of the series. So anyway, it's an exciting time for everybody reading Berserk. What'd you guys think of three forty four? Loved it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, it's kind of hard to uh, summarize quickly, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. New new characters, uh, new things, uh, a few big reveals, and uh, nice sceneries. Like two two big reveals. Two. Yeah. Two. <laughs> I was just talking about Molda's boobs. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh I not, God, I was not immediately gone to that. <laughs> did they actually get? Did they actually get bigger, or was she just? She just it was put, probably you know, just the angle. Like she, yeah. I mean, there was only one shot where her uh, chest was visible in the previous episode, and it was from like a low angle. And sure, you know, they got bigger, but you know, I mean, who? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, but, uh, you know. She continues to look like, like uh, Kristen Ritter to me. <laughs> so you pointed out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of like Kristen Ritter, so I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's, uh, you know, the haircut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the face, too. I, I don't know. I don't know. You call that a fringe or something in, uh, in English? But, yeah, I mean, that, that does... You know, that with the hair, it does look similar, but yeah, I, I'm not seeing it in the face very much. Okay. But So we effectively <laughs> got four new characters in this episode, in addition to being introduced to what could be kind of recurring background characters in the village. Uh, in addition to all sorts of new phenomenon and, and terminology and events that have been happening around the Berserk world. Um, actually, I feel we're going to go through this episode piece by piece, page by page, but... Um, I kind of want to rein in, and you guys can do whatever the fuck you want. I'm not going to tell you not to do something, but, like, I'm personally reining in a lot of, like, my meaty speculations because I feel like it'd be premature because I feel like we're going to learn a whole lot next episode based on what Ged's going to say, 
anything I say will probably be refuted and it'd be needless. So I have some big ideas for what's coming, but I feel like we're, we're going to learn very shortly. Come you know? on, share your big ideas. I mean, what's the point otherwise? Well, because I don't want to spend 15 minutes talking about something and you don't want me to make fun of you. Is that no, it? I'm used to that. I've already got for 15 <laughs> years of that. I've gotten used to it. That's fine with me. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, no, I mean, I think, I don't think, uh, like the, the one thing that's really big and that's based, like, I'm, I'm not even sure of, uh, the actual translation of it, but it's about the, uh, forests of, uh, yep. spiritual trees, you know, that's basically. The one. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing, but yeah, at this point, uh, yeah, it's it, like you said. This part is, is premature to think about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, all all just, he did was basically introduce the concept of there being multiple and that they have basically significance. Because you know, it's sort of like what they did with PCAF, where there was this pre-existing thing, and he's now made it part of a of a pattern. So, well, I mean, we we could have already guessed uh, that Flora was not the only one in the world with uh, a big ass uh, spiritual tree, you know, astral tree. We can call it an astral tree, whatever. So, you know, that's you know, in itself, it's nothing really new. What's new is the fact that uh, Griffiths may have led a campaign to destroy them, uh, purposely. Uh, and we all, again, don't really know that. I mean, we know it's uh, linked to the change the world has un- undergone, you know, when the Yester Wars and Corporal Wars uh, became one. Mm-hmm. But, like, is, is it during that event that something happened? Is it something before that happened off screen that led to that? We don't really know yet. So, yeah, we, we're going to need more details. But I think one thing we can already say is... Uh, it makes sense in regard to what happened to Ganeshka, the biggest tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense uh, regarding the bountiful uh, region surrounding Falconia that, you know, maybe some, you know, uh, how to say, other parts of the world were leached. Yep. And th- that, you know, leached power, you know, what is being used for Falconia while the rest of the earth is uh, depleted. So, you know, I mean, that would make sense. So all that kind of stuff is, you know, we should probably expect uh, something along those lines. That's that's where I was going. It's actually interesting because me and Azil, I have not had a chance to talk to him about this episode very much at all, other than it was cool and I raved about you know Ged's character design and stuff. But we haven't talked about the big stuff yet, like we usually do. So this is this is fun for me too. This is a whole <laughs> whole new thing. That's exactly where I came to as well. I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of kind of hard to have a different conclusion based on what we have, but. If Griffith ordered his apostles to extinguish the spiritual trees around the globe, then the immediate question is why. We know Ged says that it was one, it was part of what led to happen to what happened with the astral world. Well, we know where the, the merger began with the slice, but there were other things happening in the background, and I think there has to be a connection between the loss of those spiritual trees and the appearance of one giant spiritual tree, for example, the world spiral tree. Mm. So similar to how. Geyseric's former empire was co-opted into what became Falconia, kind of behind the scenes, there was some kind of manipulation that happened. Perhaps the God Hand were able to monopolize the power of the spiritual trees behind the scenes, funneling all of that power into the world spiral tree, which of course benefits Falconia. But we don't know the full significance of the spiritual <coughs> trees yet. We just know that they are things that exist and that they've been slowly extinguished uh, over the course of time uh, since Griffith came back to the world. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to learning more about that. And I do think we're going to get uh, more about the spiritual, the world spiral tree in the next episode. Yeah, I think that's what uh, 
you know, I mean, get we mostly talk about that. That will be one of the big topics. Yeah. So, I think we ought to look forward to that because probably next episode uh, will give us some big clues as to how the you know series will go on. You know, forward. So yep. you know, I mean, could even start being close to what the end will look like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in addition to that, we're we're here. We're not in Elfhelm proper yet, uh, but we are in the outskirts of it. The suburbs. Yeah, the burbs mm. of Elfhelm. <laughs> yeah, Skellig Island. Pretty much. Yeah, it's uh, the foreign quarters. You know, if you we were in an RPG, <laughs> <laughs> the town, the town outside the city, the, ca- the castle where you stock up on items. Oh yeah. It's actually, um, it is pretty much what I expected. At least this part of it. I don't know necessarily what to expect beyond it, beyond this. You know, and that's kind of what's exciting, right? Like I expected ar- architecture similar to Flora's for it to be kind of one with nature and all that. Uh, and for them to be dressed like they are in a very uniformed look, uh, the staffs and the hats and the robes and all that. I kind of like that their hats are not the same as uh, Shuriki's. Mm-hmm. You know, they are more pointy. Generally, some of them are a bit going down, but hers is uh, pretty unique. So I, I kind of like that. Yeah. Did you guys uh, look at the staves too? Yeah. Yeah, of all course. Yeah. 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 That's that's pretty neat. I still think uh, Shurik is the best one. Yeah, she's she's got the most uh, fancy-looking one, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually wonder what one thing I want to know as well is how prominent Froa was among these guys. Like, was she the big girl? You know, was she like, wow, God, Froa, she's like the best one ever, or was she like, oh yeah, she was, you know. Not bad. She was actually my student when I was young. You know. So yeah. You know, so that would be interesting. I expect she was another guru, like alongside Ged. But yeah, I also wondered if she might have been, uh, you know, a disciple of his. Of his. And I, I thought that'd be an interesting dynamic for her to be so old. So how old must this guy be? You know, that whole right. thing. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think she was. Uh, like you said, another. And actually, it's interesting because we can't really know yet. I was going to say, I think she was another guru. And I mean, it's no doubt she was very talented. But at the same time, I can see her uh, living as a young witch Mm. to fall the skull knight or something. And just, you know, so who knows? Maybe she was more like Molda, you know, in the end. I was just going to say. She wanted to see the world, make a difference, not stay within the island. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a dramatically different personality. But the same, I can see the same kind of desire behind that, sure. Well, you know, uh, when you're a thousand years old, yeah. you get, you know, maybe when she was young, she was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> maybe she was the one who blew up the, you know, the capital city of Geyser. She was like, what? <laughs> she turned me with this whore? You had to you. And then she blew it up. Aside from the visuals and the introduction of Ged and uh, everything else, like that was actually the most striking thing to me was her personality and... Kind of like the inherent, you know, rift there is in the different philosophies here. You know, it, it, and at one point, I can see some people saying, like, that's instigating, like, a big, you know, drama in the future. But on the other side of the coin, you can also say that it's simply that she's, like, a rebellious teenager in the midst of people who are just landlocked and isolated and haven't changed their ways. You can see how there'd be some discord there in the group, you know, it's yeah. natural for that I mean, to happen. Yeah, I think it makes sense for her to be, I mean, it makes sense for there to be a character like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's like a staple. I wouldn't, almost say stereotype and because it's just the way it is in the world, you know, I mean, in every small town, you get, you know, guys who want to leave, you know, and more often than not, uh, it's all the young people, you know, it's like that on, you know, actually on actual small islands, 
like in France, we have them, and you know, uh, you know, other countries as well. So the point is, you know, young people are bored and they want to leave because you get, you can go around the island in 20 minutes by car, and you're like, fuck, I, I can't live my life like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, in these places, you get a lot of uh, guys who are alcoholics, that kind of stuff, because you know, you got, sh- you know, you got shit to do. So all you do is just drink at the bar or something. So you know. I'm rambling, but it makes sense for her to be that way. And I don't think it means she'll be like, I don't know, an enemy or something. I think she's actually, she could be an interesting rival for Shiruke because she can obviously do some things she can't, like flying on, on, a, on a broomstick. And uh, she's a kind of a babe, you know, where Shiruke is still a very young girl. So she, she's a, we are, we are uh, hold say, we've been shown before that she was not very confident about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, these uh, aspects, uh, you know, oppose the two. And I think, yeah, they can develop a rivalry, but not one that will be, uh, you know, like they won't hate each other or anything like that. More like a foil type situation. Yeah. Yeah. Something, you know, to bring out the best in her, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And you see something Walter actually said in the thread is uh, when some guy said, oh, Mother must have more uh, experience. And actually, no. I mean, Shiruke probably has more experience than most of these guys because she's actually been out fighting for her life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, like, yeah, in the field, using tricks. You know, like, not just, oh, I'm, I'll go buy the books. It's like, fuck, I, I, I remember that. I'll try this. You know, so that's actual experience. Mm-hmm. So even though she might be, uh, you know, less good at some things, she's most definitely better at others. So, yeah, it would be interesting. For her character development, it would be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing about Molda is she looks very bored, right? I mean, she looks like she seized upon the opportunity of the group coming here to just show off yeah. you know, her abilities, basically. And you can see her throughout this episode mm-hmm. showboating around on the broom the whole time, usually ahead of the group or high above the group. Like She just looks like she's just dying to use the power that she has. She yeah. doesn't yeah. have much opportunity also- to mm-hmm. She also asked Chiruke to tell her about uh, what the outside world is like. Yeah. So, you know, you can tell she's eager to actually do something with her power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I really wonder how that'll play out. Just that desire, where that's going to go. Uh, yeah. once, once she does meet the open world. I think that the situation with the Wicker Man was a really cool way to kind of set up her character in a really concise way because they were saying, oh, Mulder, you're not supposed to do that. She's like, well, it's here. We should use it. You know, mm-hmm. if you got something, <laughs> use what you got. And I yeah. think that's a really cool uh, <clears throat> Pragmatic way to introduce the character. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we may as well get into it. I mean, I have a lot of more stuff to say. Uh, but we may as well do it in a structured way with a page by page. You guys sure. cool with that? Yes. Sure. Right. Uh, I do appreciate how quickly the Wicker Man was dealt with. Uh, literally, just pretty much one panel. Uh, I mean, there's an aftermath of the flames. Um, of course, that's quickly dealt with as well. But um, one <clears throat> small interesting thing about the first page is. You know, Mira didn't necessarily brush under the rug the nature of the Wicker Man's power. You know, he focuses that panel on the skulls, you know, that you know, he had introduced this kind of dark side of magic using human sacrifices in a ritualized way uh, that we haven't been exposed to before. So yeah, he's reminding us th- of the nature of that in that panel. I think it's something that might actually c- come back to us. Oh, yeah. And it's a very typical Mura way of doing things where he just introduces his guy and people might just say, oh, it's just, you know, it's like uh, what Perk or Ivara said, oh, he's the boss of the scarecrow, yeah. you know. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's a big monster after the small monsters. But yeah, the thing is, he's probably, uh, how to say, an 
you know, a taste of what's coming later, which is that in ancient times, uh, you know, magic users weren't just about in nature and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it will go back to the time of Geyseric and the fact that the use of magic was not necessarily uh, all black and white, you know. So, yeah. This is totally outside the point, but since you raised that... um Seeing all these characters in robes and, you know, a very formalized appearance as long robes that go down to the ground couldn't help but think of Void's long robe as well and his appearance, his character design. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, uh, ever since the wise man stuff and, and all that kind of thing, I mean, we don't know. We don't know anything about Void. Of course not. Like, it's just speculate. It's a Void. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just speculation and stuff like that. But yes, when you look at his character design, it's very uh, formal. And yeah, he's got his robe, and his arms come from under it. Mm-hmm. And this kind of color he has is also very, like, it looks like um, a ritualized kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it doesn't, and given his uh, position in the God Hand and everything, it would make sense. I mean, and, you know, again, going back to the wise man aspect and stuff. I mean, it's not gonna... I'm not gonna fall out of my chair. So they yeah. say, oh, well, Void, you know. I was like, oh, wow, really? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just like, you know, if uh, we're told, where well, he actually knew the Skull Knight when they were young, and, you know, I'm like, oh, who would have known? So, <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense. The flames from the Wicker Man are spreading, and uh, Morda's surprised, but not... Um, Impressed enough to retreat, <laughs> so she uh, says she's gonna just destroy them for en- encroaching on the turf of territory. Mm-hmm. She's interrupted by the group's reaction to her appearance, uh, which is funny because she, she's bearing down on them with this very imperious look, but they're just like <laughs> shocked by, "Oh wow, the witch is on a broom! <laughs> look at that!" <laughs> and tone of the scene kind of changes, uh, and the the appearance of the other witches as well come they come out of the woods, seeing having seen Shirke and the other elves in the area, which is pretty much what we guessed would happen about how things would go with a fight, how they intervene. Of course, they would recognize one of their own in their group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, Shiruke would try to, to warn them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're introduced to the other witches here who all have very distinct character designs, which, you know, come to come to expect, but I always appreciate. Um, I don't have their names. Kuka, Tune, and I forgot the third one. Yoni. Yoni, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strange design for her face. Probably one for Serpico with the hair and the eyes and the closed <laughs> eyes, right? Oh, I, see, I think it's a guy, actually. Is it really? Can't tell with those yeah. robes. Oh, man. It looks like... Okay, sure. I, 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 I did not turn her upside down to check what's, what's underneath the robes. Yeah, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not easy to see, but, okay. you know. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, the flames are extinguished by uh, the arrival of uh, Gedfren, or Ged, <clears throat> who is a guru of the group. Shirke is blown away by the speed at which he was able to do that, mentioning that to do that generally requires uh, rituals or contracts, similar to what we've seen elsewhere in the series, to ally with elemental forces. But he just did it basically with his arrival hmm. at the drop of a hat. If I'm going too fast, please, you know, slow me down. Yeah, you're going a bit fast. Okay. Let's talk about the character design of the guy. Of Ged? Yeah, oh, of course. Sure. Yeah, well, I've, you said I've, I've got a lot for that. Um, you said you liked it. I think, uh, yeah, he's halfway between 
I don't know, Yoda and some old uh, Chinese uh, hermit or something. You know, he's got... He kind of reminds me of the guy who fixes the armors in uh, Senseiya. <laughs> I can't even, you know... I can't even remember what saint he is. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, that kind of uh, small guy, quiet, rides on a goat, you know, and he's got his big power. So, I love yeah, that I, goat. I kind of like... <laughs> I love that yeah, goat. Yeah, I actually love the goat too. I like how the goat, I like, uh, just a few pages ahead, he'll, the, as they depart, the goat goes, <laughs> just like, yeah. he drew that in there. Yeah. Um, and I guess, in a way, he's also got a kind of uh, Miyagi look to him, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, yeah. Karate Kid. Yeah. Mm-mm. I like also like his rustic goatee and his rugged scarf. It looks kind of like a hippie. Sort yeah, I was going to say, he looks like some folks that live around here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you got a lot of that in Berkeley, for oh, sure. Yeah. What if that scarf was given to him by Flora or something like that? Yeah, she knitted be. it for him, probably. <laughs> Who knows? And yeah, I'm a huge fan of his character design. Just the, the whole idea of understated power, understated knowledge. This little guy, all like I said, Yoda si- Yoda-like in size. And also the you know this little character trait he has of looking like he has closed eyes, but opening his one eye for dramatic moments and mm-hmm. little little insights. I thought that was a very cool little look. That reminds me of Foss. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Foss did that as well. Also a small little it must be a small little guy trait. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they have similarly round faces, so it's kind of an interesting <laughs> parallel. <laughs> the other thing about his face is you you can't it just evokes like age right it's it's just the, the all the little wrinkles and shadings and little hatches on his face he just he just, he just comes across as a very ancient guy to me yeah yeah anyway uh this this character you know someone who knew Flora calls her his friend or at least Chirke puts it together that that's the core I mean, obviously he says someone to protect my my favorite pupil of course it's Flora he's talking about I wonder if that means that Flora has reached out in the afterlife or is something she did you know before she departed oh i think uh, it means uh yeah she reached out from yeah. the afterlife uh, pretty sure pretty sure of it and it you know it makes sense it's also what she told shiruke back in the day you know that uh, she'd see her in her dreams so mm-hmm. yeah i i think uh it's, it's what happens there you know somebody as powerful as her probably has a few tricks to stick around even after death her force ghost, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a guy that is probably the most powerful magic user we've seen next to Flora, possibly greater than Flora. Uh, a guy who knew her uh, in her time, and someone who's probably been around long enough to know a lot of the big events of the world, and probably knows a lot more, a ton more about the Berserk world than, than we do even as readers who have a relatively omniscient perspective. I'm really, really excited to see uh, what he has to say in the, the next episode, but... Also, just excited to see what he says and how he says it to these characters. Like, what he reveals about these characters, about his yeah. knowledge of them. I'm praying for an info dump. Yeah. It would be interesting to see uh, how he speaks and, you know, behaves with guts. Yep. Because we saw how, you know, Flora did it. And, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to, to see uh, how he managed guts. My, my favorite scene of this entire episode, actually, even with all the big reveals, is it's a small little thing. And it can, it's a ton you can read into it. It's another one of those ellipsis exchanges between Ged and Guts. What's Azil, I think in your summary you'd said uh, just they they ha- they exchange cool guy looks like cool guys do, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's actually less guts looking at him. It's more get inspecting guts like that. The way that panel opens, you have an ellipsis as he sees the the, co- the cloak, you know, and then he sees the full armor, and then he just has this knowing smile to his 
to his look. My first impression from those two panels was it kind of looks like Guts wasn't even looking at him directly. Like, he was just looking around. Yeah. And Ged was like, mm-hmm. Guts is being looked at, not necessarily yeah. an exchange of looks. And the significance there is, I think it's very possible that Ged knows the armor. I mean, that's kind of like a given, right? Mm-hmm. And if he knows the armor, does he know, A, more about Guts than he's letting on? Or, or B, know you know who the former wearer of that armor is, for example? And the yeah. possibilities there are very exciting about either of those opportunities. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not sure. Tr- I, I don't think Guts was like looking at a rock as this guy just arrived mm-hmm. and told, told them stuff. So I think he was looking at him. But I agree that those panels actually, what they show is not Guts staring and uh, Guts staring back. It's more like Ged, yeah, looking at mm-hmm. him. And uh, yeah, they are more, you know, even if he doesn't know who wore it, I mean, it's not necessarily a question of knowing who used to wear it, but uh, who used to possess it. It was in Flora's, you know, attic. So mm. uh, presumably Ged knew about that. Or, yeah, he knew the history of it. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with uh, the idea that uh, he knows about the armor, but I think he might also have been looking at Ged himself. I mean, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping kind of ahead because I wanted to talk about that one panel because we're talking pretty much about Ged right now. But, you know, he he delivers a prophecy or an oracle from uh, the Elf King saying that a small whirlwind blown from the island would come back as a giant storm, wrapping numerous fates within it. A uh, very formalized kind of language that um, obviously is referring to Puck, yeah. which is nice. I like how Puck is at the center of that frame uh, <laughs> as the hero of the story, as he as you know he puts it. <laughs> I'm sorry to yeah. have involved you guys in my story. What's gr- What's great is that he immediately starts bragging about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if Ivarela looks on, you know, dismayed <laughs> that he would uh, take all the credit for this. Yeah. Uh, I guess we skipped over the fact that Puck and Ged knew each other. You know, they they, they exchange hellos when they first meet each other, rejoin with each other. And actually, yeah. you know, it's worth saying that pretty much everybody on the island knows Puck or has some kind of relationship with Puck that we've seen so far by the end of the episode. Actually, it's, it will be interesting to see uh, how different he is from the other elves there because, you know, from what we've seen, uh, they don't seem to be uh, pervasive to the island. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen any yet. And so, you know, while Puck, you know, obviously knew the humans. So uh, it will be interesting to see, like, if he was an eccentric elf, like if he's not a normal, standard, average elf. I mean, we can already guess that, but uh, yeah, it will be inter- I think I will find it interesting to see how he relates to his own kind, actually. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a given that he'll be an outlier. I think Get even gives him like a nickname or calls him by some nickname or something in your summary. I think you'd say uh, He calls him a naughty boy. Oh, is that all? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, there's some context there. Um, I, I think for sure he's going to be an oddball among mm. them. He has to be. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see. Even, you know, what the the king actually tells him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. You know, how would I actually even wonder how a king of elves would work because of the nature of elves, you know, they're not very Yeah. So like, you know, kittens you don't necessarily rule over them, so particularly because it I mean I kind of ex- we, we kinda of all kind of expected this to be the case, but now we're seeing this be the case that the center of this kingdom is elves, and there is some kind of, if not hierarchy, then structure to how this works. You know, Ged is a friend 
and possibly partner with the king. And he's on the outskirts. He goes for Incos and reports their arrival to the king. He's, he's going yeah. through. So, yeah, it's not just some, I don't think it's simply just some wacky guy. There probably is a very serious part of it. But, yeah, I also expect wacky stuff to happen with with him being a king of elves. Kind of both, yeah, I mean, you know, straddling both Yeah, lines. I mean, being an elf, uh, he probably have a wacky side. But I think, yeah, from the get-go, I mean, it's not like there was any doubt, at least as far as I'm concerned, yeah. that uh, the king of the Flower Storm would be a pretty badass mm-hmm. uh, character. And, yeah, I mean, when you've got this very powerful wizard who says, uh, you know, I was foretold, and it was foretold by the king that would, you would arrive, and then, yeah, I'll report to the king telling you have arrived, which he probably doesn't need to do because the king probably already knew that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that kind of says, you know, this isn't a guy you just woke up to and say, yeah, what's up? So, yeah. So him talking about being foretold of their arrival, I mean, I, I went back and read some of the other foretellings that we've had in the series you know via the skull knight and the 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 language while of course translations of course matter the oblique kind of enigmatic phrasings we get with some of these prophecies and foretellings are very similar and i have to imagine that some of skull knight's information of course we've always assumed came from an oracle you mean the skull knight doesn't mean to give really obscure uh you know uh, prediction and stuff it's just what he's being told by the king. ah i'd say directly to you guys but you know that's what i got i can't i myself don't understand Fuck, it it's not what he, I'm saying. he's just reading from the paper i'm just i don't know <laughs> i mean just you know here don't hey, don't shoot the messenger guys this this is <laughs> i'm reading this verbatim <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm simply saying there are moments when he retells very particular, use very particular language that I think probably was for foretellings from the Elf King, mixed along with the other way he normally talks. At some point, we got to realize they're all very old people, and uh, is it kind of like their obscure, complicated language stuff because of how old they are, you know? That's, that's just who it is. This is all a roundabout way of saying it's 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 likely that you know I think Ged giving them a foretelling saying it came from the Elf King means that the Elf King probably has uh, ability to foretell and thus who else has been relaying foretellings and oracles but the Skull Knight. So to me, this is some kind of connection between the Skull Knight and Elf film. Uh, I don't know. I think you maybe you're going a bit fast. I mean, the fact uh, <clears throat> the King can foretell things is just you know. I mean, yeah, sure. There's no doubt about that, but was there even any doubt, I mean, before, but... Um, it's more a matter I mean, of slowly does... getting confirmation of these things. Like, yes, some, some of these things we've quote-unquote known for a while, mm-hmm. but it's all been suppositions. It's possible, it's quite possible that Skullnag kind of gets uh, information from him. But, you know, I wouldn't say it's sure at this point. Yeah, we're, I say we're getting closer to that being a confirmation. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the the point I think the really the the proof in the pudding will be when uh, the Skullnight shows up. Mm-hmm. You know, will he show up on Skellig? That's a big question. I think, and without a doubt, my money's on the table. Yeah, he was there when you know uh, Femto, uh, you know, in Ganishka and everything happened, mm-hmm. and he played a big part in it. And we haven't seen him since. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff uh, hinging upon that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, this Ged scene, man. This is the very first scene with him. Um, Shirke recalls uh, about the boy being, she she had guessed as an emissary. And she doesn't get, you know, refuted yet. She just simply says, you know. She doesn't say. She sinks she, to herself. That's, that's my point, yeah. It's, that's still out there, and Mira's reminding us of that in this scene. But uh, it hasn't been brought to a head yet. 
Yeah, it will be interesting. I think it might be a way for her to bring up the topic and uh, for the king to say like, hmm, no, but, or, yeah. I don't know. Mm. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I keep wondering if that's if if that's all that's going on with that uh, that link. Hmm. I have my own very pretty pretty solid beliefs about how things are going, but the fact that he keeps bringing it up like this makes me wonder: like, am I missing something? Are we are we going too quickly about our assumptions about that that boy? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think it's uh, I think because uh, the signs have been pretty clear. Yeah. He's established them. Uh, I think uh, you know he's going somewhere with that with her. I think, like I said, it might be a way. Uh, for them to bring up the topic and then get information about the boy, you know, mm, yeah. because I think that will be a pretty big, like I mean, it's a very important part of the of the of the story, and uh, it will play a big part, possibly in uh, Casca's healing, uh, in Gut's decisions going forward. You know, I mean, it's a very important thing. So you're right. It is a, uh, it is a quick way to raise the subject of the boy yeah, by, because by tying also, it to that emissary thing. Yeah, because otherwise, like, why would they, you know, yeah. oh, by the way, did you know the guy, uh, there were some crocodiles and this kid? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of odd. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And there's another question is, uh, same as a Skull Knight, will they stay long enough for the boy to show up and will he show up? Mm -hmm. And when he does, what will happen? So, you know, there's all that stuff. Yep. So, yeah, that would be uh, pretty... But, yeah, one thing for sure to conclude on that is that uh, I think meeting the king and her broaching that topic will be, uh, you know, again, a way to get confirmation of the boy's nature, I think. Or at least getting closer to it. Yep. Okay. Moving on, uh, Ged's going to take them through the village, through the sites of the village. We get several shots of the group traveling. I like this, you know, rays coming down at the bottom of the page. You see the whole group lined up, you know, mold up the top of the sky and get leading the group on this goat. <laughs> we would go by these ancient trees um, that look like old men, or at least have old men faces and, you know, puckets and uh, rather Isidro and Magnifico getting it some mischief <laughs> trying to touch it and put their hands inside the mouth. <laughs> well, that was a funny little moment. Uh, it could, of course, be a number of things, uh, like simply the trees being alive and that being conveyed by human faces, uh, and that's all there is to it. And it probably is, since we move so quickly past this, literally one page of a thing. But, you know, for some reason, the first idea my mind glommed onto was that uh, it's an indication that the magic users have a way to do soul transference. Like, if you wanted to live a really long time, really long time, you could transfer your soul to another living ancient thing like a tree and live along yeah it, it did make me think of the you know the other a certain other tree <laughs> that has a personality in this series and i thought that maybe this is like a more organic and uh, positive way of doing that huh yeah i don't know i think actually my idea is a bit mixed between that i mean it could be that it could be trees who have become alive. Mm -hmm. It could, you know, it could be uh, humans who have transferred their spirit into trees. But I'm I'm not so sure about that. It could also be uh, that Ganishka's, you know, affected the world, and that these trees, being spiritual trees or whatever, have taken on his form. You know, even that far away, even in that place, they were affected, impacted by uh, what happened then. So. I don't know. It's uh, this idea I had. And the fact he bites, one of the trees bite Isidro's hand. You know? Yeah. 
doesn't necessarily go against that idea, I think. It doesn't look that much like Kanishka to me, and they, they do look pretty different and distinct. Like, yes, they all have beards and big noses, but everything, every other feature is different. So I feel like... Well, it, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that too many features can be... I mean, it's just... There's different noses and, and different eye socket shapes. I, I feel like they're supposed to be different beings, basically, just in the same type. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That is, that is the Ganeshka thing just didn't didn't strike me myself. Sure, sure. I mean, it's not. I'm not necessarily super confident about that, but you know, it's just I couldn't shake the feeling that you know, alongside what the guy said, uh, get said about uh, the world, you know, the forest of spiritual trees being impacted and the wave, you know, the, the impact the wave had, mm-hmm. a spiritual wave on the on the world, you know. I so it made sense. Sure, if that kind of phenomenon could uh, occur. <clears throat> and I mean, while I feel like if that was going to be the case, they they would have raised it in some other way. For example, you know, Guts and them have encountered a form of Ganeshka, and I feel like there would be some resemblance, maybe. You know, they would have caught some kind of hint. Some kind uh, of- I don't know about that. I mean, he was in cloud yeah. form. Uh, it's uh, pretty different. So I, I don't know that they would have um, made a connection. Yeah. Either way, it's just a page occurrence. It's not worth spending too much time on. Um, yeah. But moving on. Uh, Kuka brings up... Kuka seems to be like the leader of the sub-witches. You know, she's the most talkative of them. The shorter she... you are, the more powerful you are, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She raises conversation with Shirke. Mm-hmm. She's the first to kind of ask, like, you know, how they got here, why they're here. And uh, she, she kind of hits a nail on the head that they're there to restore Casca. But Shirke actually, you know, kind of quote-unquote corrects her by saying that they're here to find a safe place for her. I thought it was strange because, I mean, they're there to do both. And, and Shirke knows that as well. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, don't refer, don't refer yourself too much to that translation in okay. that regard. I mean, it's just maybe they just said uh, both things at once. Maybe it's just incorrectly translated. I don't know. Maybe it's just yeah. Who knows? But in the progression of the scene, it's uh, interesting that you know Kuka immediately thinks herself that it's possible mm-hmm. the the king could cure Casca. Yeah, and she sense. seems to the judging by her expression, she's just like, "Hmm, yeah, that's definitely something that he could do." And it's like, "Whoa, this is a big deal." <laughs> yeah, and she even regards it as like a, a minor thing like so so incredible for you guys to come so far over such a small thing, you know. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, yeah, and th- you're right. The point of it is a She's the one that offered that solution herself, and B that Guts was reassured by what she said. You know, that's the whole point of this whole thing. And of course, we get get Guts a smiling face there, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice. And Farnese immediately looking <laughs> distraught. Yeah, I think that. Can we talk about this for a minute? Because I think that of is course. very interesting. Because over the last several episodes, I want to say last at least three or four episodes where we've been focusing on Guts's group, there's been at least you know a moment or mention or in some cases like an exchange where Farnese is like dealing with her feelings about guts but it's not really explicit and like I'm, has it been three or four consecutive episodes like I feel like I'm trying to think, think back in my head I don't know if it's been consecutive I'm trying, I'm but trying to count them like this one and then the last episode and then the one when they were on the ship they that were was on the certainly boat. a big thing yeah so yeah. it's kind of it's happened a lot yeah and I Either feel way. like right it's. I don't know if yeah. Mira is trying to tell us something like this situation is going to come to a head soon, or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. I mean, I've been saying for like forever that uh, it would happen that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Farnese had hope, 
you know, I don't know. She's got a crush on Guts, basically. Shiruke had a crush on Guts, but she's dealt with it. Yeah. She knows. She knows she, you know, he's not for her. But, and she takes comfort in knowing that they have a special relationship and, you know, whatever. She's a kid and he's a grown guy and, uh, they, they, they team up in a way that only they can do. So, you know, she took comfort in that and that's great for her. So she's moved on. Mm. But Farnese, she's a grown woman. Uh, you know, and Guts, like, he's like a, I don't know, her idol or a mentor to her, maybe, I don't know. But, yeah, she, she's got a crush on him, and she, so far, has refused to acknowledge that Casca was the one mm-hmm. he was, uh, you know, in love with. So, yeah, it's gonna have to come to a head mm-hmm. sooner or later. And, uh, I think that will be a big part of uh, the character development for both Farnese, Casca, Guts, and a lot of people going forward. Where she'll have to find her own way, and I don't know if Roderick will be there for her then or, or whatever, but yeah, it's it's happening. And I think that's why, because when you look at uh, the threads and what some people are saying, uh, it feels like to me a lot of people hadn't really picked up on that, despite the fact even back in uh, Ritanis, it was already, you know, fun as they talked with her mother yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, it's be, it's been going on for a long time. Oh, and yeah. So, you know, it makes sense yeah, that... Since volume uh, 17? <laughs> in in yeah, some form or another. I mean, yeah. So it makes sense that as we reach... You know, even the characters can feel it. Even from their perspective, it makes sense. Uh, you know, when, you know, Casca might be cured, Farnese knows that the jig is up. You know, she, she's not gonna... So, you know, we don't know what will happen with Casca, and neither does she, but... Yeah, when she sees Guts smiling at the idea that Casca will be brought back, I can understand why, from a perspective, she would be uh, bothered. You know, I mean, unrequited love is not something that's very pleasant. So, uh, presumably, she'll be going through a kind of crisis mm. about this. And, like, the other way a lot of people bring up this scenario is that it's, like, you know, it brings up, like, a doom to it. Like, you know, that she's going to somehow meddle with it or, you know, ruin it. But I don't. To me, it's just it's just a way to make it more dramatic. You know, it's just her dealing with her feelings in a more dramatic way. Uh, yeah. Than yeah. Simply getting I, over them. I, I mean, it's not. I don't see it's even about uh, being dramatic, but it's just like acknowledging that she has feelings at all. You know, I mean, it, it's you know, yeah. Her face, her reaction could just not be shown, but at the same time, she's there. She's hearing it. It makes sense for her to be you know bothered, worried, whatever you want. So, you know, it's just acknowledging, yeah, this is happening. Uh, Farnese is there and uh, she's got this and it's, it's gonna. Otherwise, you know, it would maybe feel a bit sudden. Mm-hmm. If we hadn't uh, been shown <clears throat> these things regularly, uh, you know, over the past few volumes, people would say, oh, where does this come from? Mm-hmm. So, well, people, 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 people yeah. might still say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, people will say it nonetheless. And, you know, when Casca doesn't rush to Griffiths. People would say, what? Oh, okay. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh. I was sure she would. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I mean, it's this kind of stuff. It happens all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ged, finally, we finally get a phrasing for what happened with the astral world and the merging. We've been saying, we've been using the word term merging for, I don't know, eight years now. Almost eight years. Um, but uh, he uses uh, actual terminology for it now. Uh, Puella translated it uh, as the the great gust or the blast of the astral world, which I- yeah, the thing is, he doesn't refer specifically <coughs> to 
to the merging itself, but more to the wave. Okay. I think that co- covers the world. And actually, it's not, it's not actually very different from, uh, what Shiruke said when it first happened. Or I don't know if it was Shiruke or something else, but he has that idea of a, <clears throat> a big wind, a wave of wind, a kind of. So in Japanese, it's, uh, the word is more like breathe, you know, mm. uh, like, you know, uh, but it's hard to translate. So yeah, it's, uh, the point is it related to wind, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of that wave that covers the world, so. Hmm. <clears throat> and he also introduces the idea, as we've already discussed, of, you know, spiritual trees being extinguished around the, around the world by, uh, the appearance of, uh, the white falcon. And everyone is yeah, shocked yeah. by, uh, I, I guess him bringing that up and also the fact there are multiple spiritual trees, everyone's shocked on their faces. Well, I think uh, mostly Gus is shocked about the white falcon. You know? yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, there. You know, Shuruke seems shocked about the trees, and uh, I, I think it's just a big deal to them to know that Griffith has had a hand in that. Ah, yes. Uh, I, I think they, they might have not, because so far, you know, like when we take the knowledge of each character individually, they know about Griffith and Gus knows whatever, and uh, and they know something big happened, a change, but. You know, like to know that Griffiths did it and, you know, he's now, he's created this giant city and he's, so I think when they actually sit down with Gad to talk about that next episode and maybe with the king later, it's gonna be, I won't say they'll be shitting bricks, but yeah, it's gonna be, you know, it's also a big key to the fact Gus can't just stay here and uh, ignore it, you know, mm-hmm. because it's what he's been doing. He's turned his back on revenge, and you know, even though it's been very difficult for him, but he has, and now he's come here. And I think basically he'd be told, well, you know, uh, things are getting serious, and maybe you know that'll get him. That will be part of why it uh, gets him to think he can't just stay there and ignore things, mm. right? Mm. <clears throat> and of course that motivation goes for the rest of them as well you know to accompany him on that new quest yeah uh following that we get our first real good look at the valley where uh the king of flower storm resides uh Elfhelm, uh, as they sit on a kind of a perch uh, look overlooking this grand valley it's a lot honestly this is a lot bigger of a space than i expected skellig to be you know it is like the hills and mountains surrounding them on either side this giant river on the on the western eastern part, part of the page i guess left right part of the page i feel like this is one of those pages where man it'd be great to have it like in color just you know mirrors version of what the color might be because color would be so informative about what's actually happening here yeah, I, feel like it's, it's uh, I don't know if it's a scan, but it's very hard to see what's going on down there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have. It's very, uh, hey, try viewing it on your phone like I was doing for a full week. Like I oh, had no bless idea your what heart. That that must at. have been the real pain. In I'm the imagining. Ass. I'm imagining just not 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 just one cherry blossom tree, but like they're all they're everywhere. You know, the whole thing is cherry blossom in my head. I guess is what I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think the giant. Giant tree uh, is a cherry tree, you know, and uh, there are blossoms in the wind mm-hmm. and everything. But as for the trees down below, I mean, I don't know. Because look at the trees I, directly behind them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know there's that kind of strange uh, glow, halo thing yeah. going out. Yeah, strange glow. But yeah, actually, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to say yeah. because of the picture. And the thing is, uh, I forgot who commented. I think it's Uriel because he got the... The magazine, he's in Japan, so he's already got it. And, uh, yeah, he said it looked, uh, strange as well. So I think even without the weird filters and stuff, 
uh, is he going to be a strange shot? So. Yeah. <laughs> also evident, you know, from from this point on throughout the rest of the episode, are you know, cherry blossom leaves are falling on every panel. You know, so it's like it's either it's either they are falling from the trees that surround them, or they're emanating from the center. You know, that are yeah, blowing around the area. I think they are emanating from the tree. You know, yeah. and uh, they all the characters comment on the fact. Uh, is a king of the flower stone deserves his name because yeah I mean that's we, we've known uh, ever since he was first mentioned we saw uh, cherry blossoms mm-hmm. uh, in that uh, episode and uh, so yeah we've known basically what it would be about well even just the and, wording itself kind of actually evokes uh, you know that that yeah. phenomenon of cherry blossoms swirling in the wind that whole thing yeah yeah pretty much yeah because yeah so um, so yeah one thing I actually thought is uh how will this retard that uh, Dark Horse manage to pull off that one? Because, you know, they did not translate the name of the king for some reason. You know, like, the king of the flower storms. They decided to keep it in Japanese and and just make it Hanafubuku king, which is, you know, like, that's so stupid. It doesn't make sense. Like, you can't possibly justify it. And it's, you know, be- beyond making no sense, it's just creating a, a proper noun from a, a sentence... You know, like, how will they explain this? Uh, oh, well, you know, uh, <laughs> will they just... Go, they'll they'll you know? shift gears. It's the rubber meets the road, the shit has hit the fan. It's The jig is up, Dark Horse. It has to be Flower Storm. We are seeing a Flower Storm. <laughs> you can't call him uh, Hana Fubuku anymore, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, those uh, Hanas are sure flowing. <laughs> Look uh, at all those Hanas. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I mean... This is a big Fubuku. The yeah, Weeboos I mean, are going to have their day. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just weird. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's that's one of the things with bad translations is they come back to haunt you, you know. And uh, yeah, it's clearly a case, you know. I mean, I, I I'm just I'm still I'm still wondering why they did that back then, and uh, you know, it that just brought it back to memory. Uh, I don't. I, stupid decisions get made all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, this is a pretty cool shot, and when I first saw it, uh, the first thing I thought about was uh, Secret of Mana, a game mm-hmm. that us old folks played through, and this is a game that came out in the Super NES, and it had a pretty big influence on me back then, when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, that shot of them on a rocky, you know, outcrop, seeing that huge tree, uh, you know, above the forest, really reminded me of the mana tree. Yeah. Uh, when you first see it. So, you know, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, giant, giant, giant tree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got... There's nothing more to say to this. It's just a really random comparison. It's just a big-ass tree uh, that's magic. Yeah. That, that's about that's about all you can say about it, but... Sure. I don't know. It it's was, a nostalgic, it was, nostalgic game. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool because it's a nostalgic thing for me. So I was, I was pretty glad to see that. Yeah. Uh, the expression on everyone's face is nice to see, particularly Shirke. I don't think I've ever seen her so surprised before when she sees the yeah, two-page she's spread. pretty out. Even Isidro looks uh, impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Magnifico in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I, there are some great Magnifico shots in this episode. Yeah, there are. I actually I jumped past one with a tree. His reaction <laughs> when it happens. I, can, I can't wait to see him in front of the actual king yeah. trying to, oh, yeah. you know... To, you know, put forward whatever scheme he sort of, and just mm-hmm. I don't know what a what a failure. He's gonna meet someone more important than his dad for the first time in his life. 
Mm-hmm. And say, do you, does the name Vandemian mean anything to you, Stealth King? <laughs> oh, the wait. possibilities. Yeah. So then we see the, um, the the next two page spread is the the village itself. I, I have an awkward time calling it the Witch Village. I don't know. I don't Why know what not? else to call it. Sure, I sure. Mean, you can also call it the the Human Village. You know. Yeah. Uh, totally. Sure. I yeah. think that's actually the title of the episode. Actually, it's either Witch Village or Human Village. I forgot. Oh, I didn't even think to ask about that. I always forget yeah. that. Cool. Oh. <clears throat> but um. Fewer revelations here than I expected. It turns in terms of like the things we see. It's pretty much what I expected to see. Um, uh, structures yeah. similar to Flora's mm-hmm. mansion, very similar, like almost carbon copy, you could say. Um, uh, I don't know if you could say carbon copy. Actually, I appreciated the fact they are similar but different. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I thought that was cool. You know, I think uh, the way they're done is uh, slightly different. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I don't. I don't not like it. I'm just saying I expected. Uh, to see other stuff in this episode now that we're finally here. Newer stuff oh. that uh, were unexpected. And it's pretty much what I expected. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, again, yeah. You know, the witch village looks like... A witch village. Fraud- just- <laughs> yeah, I mean, just... Yeah. I mean, we know. even see some familiar faces with the old man from Volume 24. Memory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Actually, yeah. uh, I had an interesting thought about Flora. You know how you were mentioning how her mansion kind of looks like the tree mansions here but a little bit different and how Shirky's uniform that Flora made looks a little bit like the other witches but is a little bit different. I wonder mm. if yeah. it's a change in well I don't know about the buildings but maybe Flora was just like adding her own little flavor Dutch. to things or if maybe things maybe uniforms were a little, diff- a little different a thousand years ago who knows but <laughs> it's yeah, I, actually, fun to think about. I think so. I think uh, Flora yeah it's just, you know, it's a small touch, but I think it's uh, kind of uh, her own style, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, for the tree, it's uh, maybe because her own tree was bigger than those. Yeah. Because it actually was bigger, or it was a different kind of tree, or maybe, I don't know, the roof is uh, set differently, and, you know, uh, maybe she just did her own thing, very simply. And uh, for the uniform, I think it's the same thing. She did one for Shiruke, she did, it's, uh, her, it's got her own little touch, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I mean, just fundamentally, you know, Shirke being one of the main characters, she has to look more distinct than the others. Oh, well, yeah. Right. If you if go you... that way, sure. You know, she's <laughs> got to be different from the other guys who we don't care about. If you want to get yep. meta about it, man, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're practicing. Uh, Shirke mentions that she's familiar with a lot of the things that are happening here, uh, but she's dead of an isolation. So Kuka says she'll introduce her so she can get in on some of that uh we make see, friends yeah, yeah. that's that is one thing actually i wish we'd seen more of but this episode moves so briskly i kind of understand it's it we're on a beeline to ged's house so i understand that and we'll yeah. get more of that later but it was nice to see her interacting with you know her people finally you mm-hmm. know people that know the world like she does you know because think of like this is like the opposite of the feeling yeah. she had in vertanis you know when she felt yeah. isolated and different you know and yeah, I agree. It will actually be interesting to see how she can be the one to help the others in the group, uh, you know, get along with these guys, you know, instead of the other way around. So I think this is a pretty nice uh, counterpoint to what happened in Ritanis, you know. And I also think it will be interesting to see, for example, if 
The other guys have some pretty radical views. Mm-hmm. And Shiroke's own views that evolved, you know, over time with her contact with the outside world and her contact with guts and everything. So maybe when the other guys are like, ah, these uh, outsiders are barbarous. Uh, and maybe she'll be like, oh, no, don't, you know, you can't really. I mean, you know what? I don't know if uh, what I'm saying is clear. No, no, but I get it. And I, I kind of expect it. I, I kind of expect something like that. I mean, that being said, like, Shiroke literally goes by the book. You know, when it comes to these yeah. things, in terms of her understanding of magic, and it could be that she has a very like country bumpkin, uh, you know, understanding of things versus this. Because like Serpico brought up the point that it reminds him of like a village of uh, learning or kind of like a, basically like a uh, of study. Yeah, an academia. Yeah, yeah, she said he was like a university, right? Place. A college or university was I was kind of equating to in modern terms, but yeah. Um, so I guess Shiroke kind of learned kind of like a charter school kind of environment versus <laughs> this is like the hardcore central pillar of magic learning. Uh, yeah, but she's a prodigy, so she's going to show up all these guys. <laughs> no, not, th- not that her learning would be inferior, but just different fundamentally. Because I know. Of what she was oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I yeah. know what you mean. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. And I, I do actually look forward to seeing her kind of stick up for her own beliefs if that, ha- if that happens to be the case. I imagine a also culture like clash the- is imminent. Yeah. Yeah, I also like that her, her collar is, uh, you know, she puts her collar up while these other, other guys, you know, they're more like uh, squares, you know, they put them down. Yeah. So, I think yeah. Moldas is also up, but it's hard to tell in a lot of Yeah, because Moldas yeah. are rebellious, you know. Maybe maybe they're kindreds, you know, they're just... The pop collar girls. Yeah. They don't do it. Yeah, they're going to start up a sorority, <laughs> you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like uh, Mira kind of bringing face-to-face with uh, Shirke and Molda when she goes upside down. I really like that panel a lot, visually. Mm-hmm. Her, her, I, think, I feel like her hair should probably plop down with it's gravity. Magic. Maybe it's magic. It's magic, though. You know, yeah, <laughs> a guy a guy mentioned her hat staying on, but I was like... I mean, I didn't reply because uh, I don't want to be uh, mean, but she's flying on a broom, <laughs> so she obviously controls the airflow and whatnot. Realism and... is not paramount in this particular Yeah, moment. I mean, I think Mira, I, I even think Mira did on purpose, you know, mm-hmm. like... Oh, the, def- the fact, absolutely did that on purpose. The, the fact her robes and her hair and her hat don't fall is because she controls the airflow. Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, the what says the sylphs in the air and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's why. I think that's why it's like that. I think it's on purpose. You know, he, he wouldn't have drawn so many shots of her hair flowing uh, very organically up like that mm-hmm. uh, if that's not what he meant. Her, her boobs react to the gravity, but her hair doesn't. I feel like it's definitely intentional. <laughs> well, <laughs> some, some things must fall, I guess. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You girls know that. Gravity. <laughs> gravity you know, affects... You can't, you can't cheat gravity. It's very prevalent. <laughs> um, I also like, you know, once again, we get very distinct character designs with all the girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's one boy there as well in that little group uh, that eventually end up trying to hit Puck, end up hitting a Sidro. <laughs> like all their looks. One thing about this village is, um, for the for the most part, these all look like very young students, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not seeing too many middle aged. You see one, you know, a teacher with the, the water, uh, channeling water. You see the old yeah. the old guy, of course. But most of these people are, you know, teens or maybe early twenties at the most, you know. And so I just wonder where everybody else is if there isn't everybody else. And if that's the case, like how old are they? You know, it's just I don't know. Just thought I had about the generational yeah. nature of There this is place. an age gap for sure. Yeah. Anyway, it could be just a small detail. He wanted to be populated by young people just for visuals. I don't, I don't know. We don't know. 
Well, I think, yeah, I think there'll be an explanation for it. The fact there's only the old teachers and uh, the young students and the middle-aged guys are not there. Mm -hmm. Uh, several explanations could be given. Uh, first, maybe when they reach adulthood, you know, they either stay to teach or they, you know, go in the world, do whatever they want. Uh, and because time flows differently here, uh, it's hard to know, like, I don't know, maybe not so long ago, all the able-bodied guys went out to do something and then, you know, it was a thousand years ago and yep. no one's heard from them ever since. So, you know, uh, I see. I think will this will be addressed mm -hmm. by yeah. the story. I don't think it's just oh, you know, I didn't. I just wanted to do that. I didn't think about it. So, no. which, which is a great transition actually for the one of the last points I wanted to make, which you raised in the thread is Shirkay's heritage. You know, there's an, if there's going to be an opportunity for that, I imagine it's here uh, to address where she came from. Uh, oh, yeah, her origins. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> for sure. Although, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see. I think. I think. Uh, I don't know if it will be addressed. He could, he could just as easily skip it. That's why I say if it's going to be addressed anywhere, I feel like this is the appropriate time to bring yeah. it up or always tease it or do something with it if he's going to do anything with it at all. I kind of like that one of the last thing is uh, all the young guys and girls uh, yelling about whatever Puck did to them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this guy just... <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's Everybody's funny. got a grudge against him. I also just like how the action played out. Like, um, poor Sidro just trying to mix it up with them. I'll be your barbarian. Um, <laughs> and um, also just Puck. They realize it's Puck, and then Puck kind of like dodges all their hits, so they end up hitting a Sidro. I thought that was really funny as well. <laughs> oh, poor Sidro. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. And um, yeah, we finally get to Ged's house. It's very dramatic. Uh upward angle shot of his house my place yeah looks pretty neat but yeah. I like Frost house better oh yeah, yeah. it looks like it uh, you know actually it reminds me of a town hall meeting kind of place yeah it's uh, very open kind. yeah you know it's kind of like what uh, Northerners had uh, back in the old times yeah. in Europe yeah. you mean like That's prehistory like Hayerot and Beowulf one of those yeah. big not, meat halls not really prehistory I mean more like around uh, the year 1000 uh, sorry I meant I, I said prehistory I, I meant pre-literature like mentioning like Beowulf being one of the earlier written things that's mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. okay. whereas Flora's house was more like an actual house with a spa yes. yeah <laughs> well hey, she we... was a refined lady yeah she she knew how to live it up She's a lady. <laughs> All right. It actually ends very abruptly. I, I keep getting caught off guard by it's just like, and we're here. And then it ends like, ah, shit. Yeah, you're sort of like, and then? And then you're like, yeah. okay, next month. I can but wait. It's actually a relatively long uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, I think there's two two-page spreads and it ends. It's like 24 pages. It's a doozy. So, uh, it's uh, 22, I believe. 22? Okay. My yeah. bad. So, but yeah, it's very dense. Yeah. Uh, covers a lot of ground. Yeah, and I think the next one would be uh, even denser. Yeah, I was just yeah, thinking the same thing. It's... Where this is just the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. This whole thing is a prelude. This whole thing, just like the the speed at which Miura went through all these vistas, just like it's, it's spelling that he's. It, it, I feel like things are about to elongate a little bit and not be so compressed. I feel like we're gonna learn a lot in the next few episodes. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, with, I, I, again, I, I feel stupid speculating about immediately what's next in terms of like super super detail. But uh, one thing I feel like hasn't been addressed or even talked about very much, uh, and that's the the Behirid that Guts is carrying with him. Like obviously, 
he's been carrying it since volume one and we don't know that it necessarily belongs to someone on Elfhelm or how it will be used or if it'll be used for an alternate way but I feel like once he brings that out that might be kind of like a he just walked past the TSA with a gun kind of thing he brings <laughs> that out like you brought that here that kind of thing yeah. I wonder how that yeah, works. Yeah, I heard it detector yeah I don't think so no? you know I don't I don't think they react like that because these are people who understand like it's like Flora uh, when he pulled it out, she told him about it. You know, she wasn't, she f- didn't feel threatened by it. Mm. So her reaction, uh, though, it was very ominous. It was like she was looking at it, like, kind of very gloomily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she knew she knew it was uh, something dangerous, and yeah. uh, I, I think, like, I would think the guy's reaction would be similar to that. Yeah, uh, I it think would be like to that point. I think that they understand that you know, if it's going to be used here, it's going to be used here. There's nothing they can do about it either way. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, to be honest, I, I don't think uh, the Beherity, you know, like even the idea that it's going to be, that it must be used, is has always been a falsehood. Like it's not doesn't necessarily have to be used. Mm-hmm. Somebody doesn't necessarily have to just, like it won't necessarily just fall out of God's pocket and somebody grabs it and, ah, <laughs> and transforms it to an apple. So, and, uh, you know, the more the story goes on, the least it is likely for a simple reason that what purpose would it serve now? I mean, yeah, somebody becomes an apostle, Gus can kill them without even, you know, like he could be sleeping, he would still kill them. And so, and in, in a place, so it has to be a character driven thing. It has to be, it has to make sense because the character, you know, and the relationships, it's not like a new enemy or anything like that. So, I don't know if it makes sense very much for it to happen in a health phone. Maybe later on, maybe not. And it could also be used for other things. And to me, that would be uh, probably even cooler than just, I don't know, like I said, the buried falling down his pocket and somebody grabbing it and, or, you know, something like that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on almost all that. I, my, my only point was like how they might react if they saw it. And that's that's pretty much it. Like if, if, yeah. it, if it is brought up. And not even necessarily that it has to. Like, in what scenario would he just like? Okay, now take everything out of your bag and <laughs> let us see it. Like, it's just well, he, he already asked Flora about it. Sure. So I don't think he would just you know. Whip but it maybe, out. maybe when they talk about Griffiths, uh, he he might uh, mention it again. Yeah. And another thing to point out is these guys had uh, the weaker man uh, in uh, storage. Mm-hmm. So who's to say they don't have a couple of Beherits as well, you know, in there? Or, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, just a, it's just a guess, but... And, well, and also, you know, where else would Skull Knight have learned the technique that he uses for the sword? You know, it's possible they're uh, totally, you know, totally fo- not I mean, foreign to them. I probably... W- <laughs> I wouldn't expect that. I, I think, you know, he learned it's just... <laughs> Uh, you know, trying trying new stuff <laughs> after a thousand <laughs> years. Just like how yeah, do you think fuck, new recipes get invented? <laughs> fuck this! I'm just gonna you know put it in my belly. <laughs> Let's and see whatever. what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you know. I mean, the true chef. Yeah, it's just it's just just gonna like you know. He strikes me as a very I don't know. He he's not while he's very cold. Uh, he's very similar to guts in some ways. I mean, he's not. He's very bold, you know. Mm-hmm. He's blunt. He goes straight to the, you know. I mean, he just appears. He tries to kill one of the god hand, and he's like, oh, you know, see you next time, suckers. <laughs> and he just run off. So, well, except, you know, that one time where he's the one who got fucked. Poor fellow. Which was, like, pretty, pretty uh, well put by Femto, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you always show up. So, think we didn't expect you. <laughs> if only he could have called him by an actual name. It would have been would have been a great scene. Yeah, well, you know, he's actually, uh, you know, after all, a knight. Yeah, but girl, come so. on, come on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. It was a. Uh, it it's was you. Odd. It's you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> It was odd. He, no, I think he should have called him uh, anything else. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Not yeah. even a name, just you, you know. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, what we expect for the next, uh, again, uh, I think everyone, it's on the tip of everyone's tongue, right? Just uh, a surveying of what's happening in the world at large for, the, for our group and also what the king's potential is for, for them, what, re- setting expectations and also possibly revealing what the God Hand have been up to. We don't know. I know that'd be nice to learn. Yeah, teasing it. Uh, yeah, we might actually get uh, some of that info. Yeah, <clears throat> actually, I mean, it would make sense if he mentions the Falcon of Light. It would make sense that he could also talk about uh, his kindred, mm-hmm. or maybe the the Elf King will. Who knows? Anyway, yeah, I think uh, Volume Thirty Nine, man. People are going to remember that one. Yeah. Uh, how far out do you think we are from uh, meeting the Elf King? Yeah, I'd say at least three episodes. Yeah, my number's three or four or so. But then again, we're already here much quicker than I thought we would be. I think uh, we can go back and listen to the podcast. I think I'd said, I don't know, six or seven episodes before we even got to this village. And, you know, here we are. So Yeah, it's moving pretty well, quickly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, seven episodes too. I forgot what I said, so I can't. But seven episodes until we get to the village seems like a lot. But then seven episodes until we get to... Uh, Hell Film, or at least to the king himself. Who knows? Why yeah. not? Casca's restoration <laughs> within one volume? <laughs> oh no, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think I think there will be like, uh, from what I you know they said in this episode that uh, they should take a rest and that kind of stuff. I get the feeling they might spend the night at uh, Ged's house. Yeah, yeah, it's and sort of go, like a mirroring go. of the forest situation. Take some time to rest and like get their get some character yeah, motivations and, established. More so. Yeah, and just, just you know, arrive, talk a bit. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the next day, go to Hellfarm. You know, at least, you know, even get acquainted to the other witches and, you know, get their bearings, uh, talk to Ged a bit. Mm-hmm. Ged uh, tells the king, you know, the king, I don't know, he prepares to receive them tomorrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, they go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking but, next day kind of material. Maybe, maybe, maybe a day after or something like that. But thinking mm-hmm. about the activities of all the group members... I feel yeah. like it's a couple of days away, maybe. Um, one, one thing we definitely rushed past and I wanted to talk about before we finished was uh, <laughs> Kuka brought up uh, the method by which the Elf King might use to restore Casca's mind. And he ca- she called it a corridor of dreams or gallery yeah. of dreams. Yeah. And in my head, the first image I had was um, when Shirke is going through Gut's mind or his spirit, mm-hmm. you can say, and those yeah. bubbles of memories are <laughs> flashing up. You know, we saw little glimpses of him. Uh, talking with Casca, talking with Griffith, yeah, Band of the Falcon, all that stuff. I feel like that's kind of like it could it could be kind of a precursor to what to expect from that uh, that that time. And I wonder if that's going to be how it is, and if if that's the case, if we will the phrasing "Gallery of Dreams," if we will see older versions of the series, you know, yet again teases of new old old characters. Band yeah, of the Falcon, I, I think so. <clears throat> I think so. I also think. He might uh, enlist uh, guts to help him with this endeavor. Of course, yeah. we don't know yet. It's basically what I've speculated about in the past. I think uh, he will, yeah, you know, dive into her uh, 
subconscious mm -hmm. maybe with gut help and they will go through uh yeah dreams phantasmagorical versions of things memories that kind of stuff and they'll probably find her in a place where she's uh hiding from you know uh what happened during the eclipse maybe yeah. not you know wanting to look at it maybe trapped in uh that kind of nightmare and they will have to convince her to you know face it uh, i don't know and, I can and see, come back i can <clears throat> see that in a combination thing imagine him linking both guts casca and farnese someone that new casca is familiar with and someone the old casca is familiar with and mm. like that being the way they channel casca to come back out wow that's yeah. interesting i don't know i don't I don't know about involving Farnese in this. I no, think, really? Uh, no. I feel like that's like the obvious one. No, no. I don't think... I, I think the point is to bring uh, Casca's uh, true self back, not to link... You know, Farnese, she's familiar with uh, Casca's mindless self. But, but that's you know, that's I, that's who they're <clears throat> channeling through. I feel like that's that's got to be a factor in making Yeah, her... but it's not like two different characters. I mean, it's just... Mm -hmm. Casca right now, her mind is elsewhere. And what they want is to bring that mind back. So... I don't think there needs to be a link like that. I think what they need to do is <clears throat> go get our consciousness and bring it back. Uh, you know, like you said, not so differently from what happened when uh, Shuruke went into Guts' uh, psyche and uh, took his soul from, you know, he was protected by the talismans mm -hmm. of Roa and, you know, brought him back out. So I think it's going to be something... In effect, similar to that, but because of the context, uh, the method and everything will be a bit different. But uh, the principle, the core principle is the same. Is Her mind, her consciousness, herself is, you know, uh, somewhere else lost and they will bring it back to the surface. Now, the question, the interesting question is, will she remember what happened when she was out at all? Will Farnese just be a new person to her? I, I think that's very possible. So, yeah, there'll be... Many, many more things to, to discuss in that regard. I think, uh, you know, even if we assume that she just come back to herself and, you know, all that, there's a myriad of ways in which she could go. I mean, uh, she could have forgotten some events. She could remember some and have forgotten others. Uh, even from her past, she could remember some or not. So it's just, uh, you know, many, many things to look forward to. Yeah, time will tell. Yeah, I was just about to say... Um, <laughs> that which possibility is more interesting and i don't actually know which one's more interesting uh i think not remembering what happened when she was out is more interesting because it will force every character to relearn who she is you know they will have to the group dynamics will have to reform and they will have to uh you know they're gonna have to reform anyway I mean, yeah, I yeah, but I mean, they'll have to, like, Farnese will have to tell her maybe, well, you know, mm. uh, I took care of you, and uh, and to learn, you know, each other and that kind of stuff. So, I don't know, I think that would be, I think that would be more interesting. And she can, especially if at first she's uneasy around guts, uh, you know, the others could tell her about him, what he did yeah. while, while she was not there. And, you know, then he could admit that he also uh, did a couple of bad things, you know. Mm -hmm. so that kind of stuff will be I think from a character development perspective it would be interesting to see yeah well not most of them don't even know the, the worst of it unfortunately or yeah sure fortunately you can say uh, yeah my point is you know that's why it's interesting because they can say what they've seen and you know that makes God's own feelings more you know I mean that puts them in perspective yeah yeah because they might, like I said, Gus and Casca might be uneasy. I mean, Gus is a you know really different man from who he was when she knew him. 
Like, I mean, even physically. Yeah. He's old and scarred and, uh, you know, uh, how to say, handicapped. So, and she herself has also become different and, you know, their expectations are not the same anymore. The situation is so complicated, so different from what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they had been married for 10 years when all this happened. They had been a couple for, what, like, what, you know, four days? Mm-hmm. So, a week maybe. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, this is a lot to, this is a lot of stuff. That being said, I mean, it is still, he is still guts. You know, that is a yeah. constant for her. Sure, sure. He is still guts. He's the same. But, yeah. you know, like I said, changed. I mean, oh, he's yeah, seen, sure. He said some shit, you know, very simply. And uh, one thing I mentioned in the thread is that because somebody was talking about the Beast of Darkness and whether the king might. It's not uh, even worth entertaining, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I'm, well, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, you know, I, I think it would be addressed. I think, uh, you know, it would be stupid. I mean, it would be very strange for the Beast of Darkness not to be addressed. Well, and my sure. Point, I mean, like, if Flora could <clears throat> detect it, basically, she mentions it, you know, she alludes yeah. to that. And of course, she knows he's been branded. Of course, everyone's going to know that. And what comes with the life of a branded one? It's very, it's plain as day yeah. to these people. So my point was that Gus has his own trauma. And, yeah. you know, like she's done in the past and even does today in her state, Casca uh, will be able to help him with that. So it would be, you know, sure, like sure. I said, you know, relationships, very, very complex, very, very dense stuff on that uh, regard. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the possibility of the king removing the beast or something like that. Like, oh, that's no, not no. Even oh, no, no. That, yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, even just from a storytelling perspective, you know, like, yeah, maybe Gus could also just ditch the Berserk's armor because it's bad for his health and, you know, find another well, one. Get a new arm, get a new eye. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just this dragon slayer's and, lighter weight. <laughs> yeah, and just you know, no more, uh, no more beast, and yeah, become I don't know. But no, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, so no, but I think yeah, taming it, maybe uh, being able to uh, use it, tap into it more efficiently, something like that. I mean, I think that goes. Uh, sure, like, like the relationship he had with it inside the sea god, for example. You know, I was trying to think of what you meant. When he basically called on its power, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like, what, what? I was, you know, I was actually retracing his travel inside the the thing, you know. So he killed the critters and then he kills the fish. Oh, yeah, I see what it means. (laughs) So sorry, that's why it took me a second. Anyway, another last thing we didn't talk about is uh, the potential for trouble on uh, Skellig. Because, you know, when they were at Flora's place... uh, Stuff went down, you know, Slan came up and everything, trolls and stuff. So, you know, it's a pretty big place like we've seen and uh, maybe it's not exempt from trouble. So, you know, we were mentioning how many episodes until they get to the, uh, you know, King of the First Storm, how many episodes until Cascascur. But, yeah, stuff might come up, Uh, you know, like we don't know what state the King of the First Storm is in. Mm -hmm. We don't know what state the elves or elfen uh, what state it's in uh, we don't know maybe it's been affected by the change in the world is what I'm saying mm-hmm. uh, we don't know what preoccupations they have we don't know if uh, some uh, astral pests you know environment might have you know cropped up on the island so you know that, and we don't know if I don't know maybe Ubik will pay a visit so it's just random stuff but my point is uh, there might be uh, some action for uh, or Heroes. Ged's pretty small. Ubik's pretty small. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a disguise. Yeah. 
I like him too much. I knew I knew I liked him too much. <laughs> yeah. That would be so ridiculous. Uh, they yeah. They they uh, disguise themselves as the goat. Oh yeah, Conrad <laughs> oh, is a man. goat. I was about to say Conrad is a goat. <laughs> now it all makes sense. Yeah, Ray, yeah, you're yeah. A genius. No, it's it's Conrad and and, and Void kind of like both inside the goat. Yeah, yeah. They make they make up the two, two halves of the goat. <laughs> Who gets yep, the back yep. half? Oh god. <laughs> Well, that's it, guys. Um, if you stuck stuck with us this long, we appreciate it, and uh, there's lots of berserk excitement coming up in the next few months and weeks. Uh, we'll be back in a month to talk about the next issue of Berserk. 